Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. Joining us tonight for, I think, the third or the fourth time on this podcast, Alexander Williams, a.k.a. Dan the Malformed. Welcome back, man. How's it going? Man, it's going really blessed seeing that the Celtics got a blowout win, which I feel like we've all been kind of waiting for since they got in the bubble. So I'm ready to get into this. Yeah, it helps, man. It kind of helps the like the overall outlook on life, right? When your team wins and wins convincingly compared to that heat game yesterday, which I guess we'll get into right now. So um, first question I had for you, aside from the, the score, what were the, the major differences between tonight's game against the Nets compared to the, the heat game yesterday? Well, first off, we had a run. <laughs> I mean, that started off in the first quarter, carried on to the second. A run. <laughs> and then I think after that, the Celtics just didn't look back. They just kept on going, especially right after the half, which I think is a really important thing to know because sometimes you can make those halftime adjustments, you know, depending upon what defense you try to put in or any of that. But, you know, Celtics kept on going through it. And I think a lot of that was based upon the intensity that we saw them carry on. I mean, I think through these couple of bubble games, we've seen a couple of highs and lows when it comes to intensity, whether that's on the offensive or defensive end. Um, But I think pretty overall, we just saw the Celtics locked in, going hard and this is kind of what i thought the team was going to be like coming back into the bowl mm. yeah same here uh, definitely there was a lot of defensive intensity missing against the heat last night so it was good to see that for the for the most part in this game the first six minutes or so it looked like jared allen was going to have his way with us like mm-hmm. all you know the the starting centers have done so far in this bubble season um, that were just going to him in this pick and roll. And he yeah. was either getting to the hoop or, or making that dump off pass. And I'm, I'm thinking like, shit, here we go again. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we just, we picked up that defensive intensity. I think it started, I, I saw Gordo do it first. He, he sort of mm-hmm. collapsed in from the, the blind side of, of Jarrett Allen. And he was there on his hands as he caught the ball that forced the turnover. And then it's like, everyone was like, shit, okay, that, that's what we do. <laughs> and then, and then from that point onwards, the, the defensive intensity was there. Um, the transition uh, buckets were there and, and the win was there as a, as a result. So it was really good to see. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because you, you touched upon a couple of these points, but it's like, with, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've, I've really seen a slow start coming in this bubble. I mean, we saw that last game with the Heat. I think the between the two of us, we exchanged like zero out of four or zero out of three to start that game. 
And I mean, even with the Bucks game, it, we, we, we have been kind of really slow to kind of get into the game. And that's not just something that I think that is just a recurring theme of the bubble, but I think it's something that we've been kind of observing all season. And uh, that's just not going to help us come playoff time. And I think that's something that Celtics really got to try to figure out um, if we're going to really have any real shot of winning this thing. Yeah, slow starts have definitely been a problem. Early, like, it looked like we were having a slow start in this one. Early in the game thread, I noticed a user asked, um, or stated rather, that Brad should just force feed Tatum um, to begin with. There was a bit of frustration among fans that we weren't just going to him with every possession. Do you agree with that, or do you think we should continue to distribute and, and share and, and look for a hot hand in that in that way? I mean, and, and that's that's really, I think, where the Celtics got to decide where they are as an offense. You know, I mean, I feel like they teeter between the spectrum of being the Houston Rockets deep offense, where they're just going to try to jack up threes, make easy shots, try to play to people's mid-range, whether it's Jalen Browns. Jason Tatum's or Gordon Hayward's or like, are they going to try to be like a surgical kind of offense in the way that the Spurs are? I think they really got to kind of decide who they're trying to be instead of trying to be both, because I think uh, ultimately those play styles are complementary. You got to kind of choose one road. And I mean, when it comes to like, are we trying to force feed Tatum? I mean, it, I don't know. It's it's just so weird having these four players of Jalen, Jason, Gordon, and Kemba because, like, they all do complementary things, but it's like you really just got to go with, like, look, if you're at the half and you see someone's seven for eight, you go for that guy. I think, I think right? that's really what Brad's got to do because otherwise – like, how are we going to offensively really put get get out that output? You know what I mean? So that's how I feel. Yeah, it's frustrating. I feel like maybe Haywood is the only guy who who realizes that, whereas like Kemba and Jalen are like, I, I want to be that 7 for 8 guy, right? I can be that. I don't care how hot Tatum is or whatever. Like, give me the ball. Like, I, I want my turn as well. Um, so you mentioned like identity. I don't, I don't think that's that's there yet. I don't think mm-hmm. they, they know who they are consistently all the time. Um, and you know we've got four games remaining in this bubble regular season to to figure it out. Getting getting back to the differences though between the the Heat game and the game today, fifty seven percent from the floor is what the the Celtics shot tonight. Um, absolutely helps as well as uh, thirty five <laughs> to twenty one free throw disparity. Um, anytime you shoot like ten percent more from the floor and put up like fifteen more free throws in an evening, um, you're going to win the game. And that was kind of the I guess the the two stats that jumped off the page there. Anything else that stood out in terms of the, the differences between the two games? I mean, I think just one thing that we got to really kind of keep in mind, or at least I've been kind of observing while we got back to this bubble, is just how aggressive Jalen Brown has been looking. I mean, whether that's driving hard at the basket, maybe looking for, you know, that kickout assist that we're kind of like looking for him to kind of utilize in order to be that kind of like playmaker that we feel one through four needs to kind of be. Um, or that's just like pulling up from three. I, I just, I've really observed that he's, he's really trying to get his, you know? And, uh, I mean, I don't feel like that's kind of gotten us to negative space, at least offensively, but I do notice that defensively, he, he's been a lot more gambly than I would like him to be on defense, you know, whether it's trying to get the steal when the pass comes in, you know, at like the top of the key or it's one of the elbows. And I, I just think that he's got to like really kind of tone down on that because it kind of makes us rotate in a way on defense. That I think, you know, it's just been kind of uh, hurting us, whether that's in the Bucks game or in the Heat game, you know, with the Heat, they just had, they, they seemed like they couldn't miss from three from a little while, you know? 
And I just saw a little bit of that. Um, but I think that's going to be interesting to kind of keep in mind as we go forward and see, can we get all four of our offensive players to be aggressive at the same time, but then also play in a way that complements everybody and, you know, really like is the fortitude of a high powered offense. Yeah, absolutely. The, and the, the complimentary like factor, I think defensively today that really stood out and it allowed guys like Jalen to be a bit more gambly on defense, um, having the confidence that those rotations that, that need to happen as a result of, of failing on that gamble were happening like behind that initial play on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So guys like Jalen were able to, to try and jump the passing lanes with the confidence that, that Tyson and Time Lord, who we'll get into, were actually circling back and, and covering him on defense. Um, just the, the intensity, like if you had to summarize the differences between tonight and last night in one word, it's intensity. Or if I can hyphenate defensive intensity into one word, that was really it, right? Like <laughs> defensity. Just, just, yeah, defensity, that's right. That's the word I was looking for. Straight out of the dictionary. Um, it makes such a difference. And then we're turning guys over, we're turning teams over rather, and, and getting out in transition. And it just makes such a difference. And everyone gets hot. I think I saw... Like seven players on the Celtics scored in double digits today. Yep. Um, 57% from the floor, like we mentioned. Uh, it just makes such a difference. A caveat, right? It is the Nets, this iteration of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of people were like, you know, uh, this is a trap game. This is exactly the kind of game yeah. that the Celtics would lose. The Abby Chin curse, of course, um, pointed out by user Daniel Soat09. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, I'm right? I'm praying for her, yo. Prayers and thoughts go out to Abby Chin. Absolute travesty. It's shocking. I'm sure she'll find employment in the industry very, very soon. She's very good at what she did. But um, yeah, shout outs to Abby Chin there. Um, so much was sort of going into that that sort of superstitious final as to why we could lose that game, though. And um, pulled it out. Really good to see. It. And um, I'm going to have a, a better day for it. It's awesome. Definitely. And you know what? I think um, just real quick, I think something needs to be brought to attention because I've seen Fongos add to this as we've gotten into the bubble. And I think both you and I know exactly what I'm about to talk about, uh-huh. but it's about time the NBA referees realize who Daniel Tice is as a uh-huh. defender, because the amount of lack of calls that he's getting on the offensive side, and then the monstrosity of calls that he's getting on the defensive side is mind boggling. <laughs> like I never thought I'd be a conspiracy theorist until I saw these Fongos, the videos. And I was like, Whoa, hold up. We Very convincing. Really <laughs> we really got to talk about this. So I'm going to go on a drinking strike until Daniel Tice gets the calls that he deserves. So just know that I'm trying to be in solidarity with, with Fongos wow. on this one. Your, your liver's going to thank you for that one. You, you could be uh, you could be clean for a while there, my friend. Good good luck. I can't I can't really guarantee the same for myself, especially with a newborn hanging around. I kind of need that, that extra glass of wine once she goes to sleep at night at the moment. Um, yeah, Daniel Tice, um, not getting the respect he deserves from anyone outside of the Celtics fan sphere. Um, don't know if it's ever going to happen, to be honest. It just seems like the the referee teams have like decisively just uh, enacted this this war on Tice, as we call it. So it's um, like, don't I know think, if we're ever going to see a turnaround. I feel like he's like the Colin Kaepernick of the NBA, where he's just like trying <laughs> sure. to stand for a really good defense of like really good ideals, at least basketball-wise. Yeah. And then he just like completely just gets overlooked. And then you like real, like when refs look at film to try to be like better refs, or at least I think this is something that they do in my head. Uh-huh. Um, they're going to be like, oh, wow, like he was actually in a great position there. I just called, I did a bad call, you know, like I got to be a better ref. And so, you know, maybe, maybe Daniel Tice will really have an impact on the NBA and it just 
just won't ever be appreciated until it's done. Oh, man. I hope so, because otherwise the dude's going to have a mental breakdown, right? Like, how much how much mental fortitude does he need to put up with this on a night-to-night basis? I, I don't see him outlasting this, right? Like, it just must be driving out absolutely fucking crazy. I would love to do a prop bet of, like, the amount of times Daniel Tice has his hands in the air and in protest of a foul. I think the over-under's got to be at least, like, 3.5, and I would definitely yeah, take that I'd over agree with that. every time. <laughs> Uh, speaking of betting, user Fisky Business put in the post game thread. Uh, what? I just had the Celtics total over at 150 points. I just lost fifteen thousand dollars. If you weren't watching at the end of the game, they finished with I think 149 points. Um, that's absolutely brutal, Fisky Business. If that's uh, if that's right, internet hugs to you, my friend. That is absolutely terrible. Hey man, I can give you red and gold, but that's it. Like, I hope yeah, that yeah. <laughs> it's the best we can offer. Um, so, continuing with the game tonight, uh, tonight we saw a lot more Romeo Langford and Time Lord than we normally do, and a lot less Grant Williams and Enos Cantor mm-hmm. than what we've come to expect. Um, the bench is a constant gripe among Celtics fans. Who from the bench do you see making the biggest contribution in the playoffs, and is it okay for us to overreact to what we saw from Romeo tonight? <laughs> I mean, I think like the biggest thing always is that we got to put into perspective when we're talking about the Celtics is that when it comes to rookies, defense gets you minutes on the floor. I think we saw that more often than not with even Jalen Brown, you know, when he was really locked in on the defensive end and on in his rookie season. I remember him getting more minutes than he did anything else. I mean, even maybe in that playoffs. Um, but, I mean, I think the, the switch with Romeo's, I think has got to be tied to that because I think Brad just – Especially in this bubble where I think, what, we got four more games until we go to the playoffs? I think Brad's trying to really kind of construct that lineup where we know what kind of guys are going to come off the bench. We know how many minutes people, the stars are going to play, and we can kind of prepare for that. But So I'm thinking that Romeo's contributions is based upon the defensive intensity that he showed in practice and in games. Um, but, I mean, as far as, like, who I see being the biggest contribution in the playoffs on the bench, obviously that's Mark Smart. He's the Cobra. He's the stretch six. We Shut all up. know that. <laughs> but um, I think besides him, I mean, I'm going to have to go Cantor. I mean, I know that, yeah. like, I've seen him get burned a lot on these pick and rolls, whether that's like, you know, the point guard or the shooting guard kind of driving to the basket and then trying to kind of get it to that pick and roll guy a little bit uh, past the key. But I mean, it, so, and so you kind of see him kind of get burned on that defensive end there. I've seen so many games where he's just trying to eat up those offensive rebounds and second chance mm-hmm. points in this kind of bubble can really, I think, be really important. So, I mean, that's something I think that we got to keep in mind. Yeah, I think Cantor, for me at least, he needs to eat up so many of those offensive boards to be a net positive on the court yeah. because of how much of a, a defensive zero he is. Um, and we, we've seen him do that a couple of times in small stretches so far in the bubble. I'm worried about how he might get attacked or schemed against in, in the playoffs. Um, but I do think the best version of Cantor still gives you more than the best version of like Langford or, or Grant Williams. If we're seeing Cantor grab all those boards and still be decent or like hideable on defense, um, then then it's not a waste of time bringing him off the bench in the playoffs. But I mean, the reason I asked was because Romeo today and Time Lord, who we'll get to, um, were amazing. Like they were a great six and seven off the bench. We see with teams like the Clippers, they get like Lou Williams and uh, and, and Montrez Harrell off the bench. Um, and they're almost equal to their starters in terms of the contribution they bring. Mm. 
um, and almost to the minutes they play as well. And we kind of saw a little bit of that, albeit at a smaller scale, with with Romeo and Time Lord today. And it was just exciting to be like, you know, because we've been deprived of these bench performances all year, and then to see these guys come out and like fucking contribute <laughs> for once, um, it's just exciting. And like, maybe I'm overreacting, thinking, okay, now we can maybe lean on these guys heading into the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I don't have another point to make there. I'm just excited by by what we saw from our bench today. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, we gotta really understand something that I think Jason Tatum echoed from Brad Stevens is, you know, I mean, they could go, you know, pretty terribly in these eight seeding games, but as long as they're in rhythm coming for the playoffs, that's what really matters, you know. And I, I think that's really a point. I've seen a lot of talking heads go about. I've seen a lot of analysts kind of describe. And I mean, honestly, like. Look, there is no home court advantage. There is no travel. There is none of that. Y'all are staying in this bubble, and it's just about who can play consistently the better basketball game. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to buy into that, you know, because, like, I mean, the Celtic strengths seem to really kind of complement the type of basketball that's going to be played here. But, I mean, we just, we just got to get consistency. And, I mean, honestly, whether it was kind of in the beginning of this season or even last season, you know, and you know the Kyrie era of the Boston Celtics consistency sometimes can really come to bite us on the ass and we gotta we gotta really make sure that we rein in on that and I think that's something that I'm gonna really look forward to as we go forward uh, in these games yeah absolutely good call out Brian Robb on Twitter uh, quoted Brad Stevens as saying on Romeo Langford he's one of our more solid defenders that's going to give him a chance to play going forward, which echoes what you said about for rookies, it's defense that gets them on the court. Uh, a tweet from Celtic Stats, Rob Williams scored a career high, 18 points on a perfect 7 for 7 from the floor and 4 of 4 from the free throw line as well. It's the third time in his NBA career he's scored at least 10 points on 100% shooting, um, all uh, apparently occurring this season. Thoughts on, on Time Lord? Like I said, we haven't seen a lot of him so far in the bubble or prior, and then he, he shows out today. Um, thoughts on him going forward? I mean, Roberto Siesta's got to really understand that <laughs> he's got to, like, understand what his role is on this team. I mean, the Celtics picked him what they did. Uh, what was it? I think, like, 28, and then, like, they people called it, like, a steal when we got him at that kind of position. And it's like yeah. we need him to kind of, you know, provide that Clint Capella. And while Clint Capella got moved from the Rockets, you know, because of their, you know, small ball fascination, we got to understand that, like, you know, he's still trying to develop in the system. He's trying to become this player that we need. And maybe he provides that off the bench. Maybe he's not the starting kind of center that, you know, we we may envision him becoming. Maybe he just serves a different role. But at the same time, we just, we got to understand, like, how the Celtics are trying to develop him versus how we think he needs to be developed. And I think, you know, sometimes there can be kind of a disconnect in where that lies. Yeah, and no, I think I think I agree with that. And you know, on the Capella comp, uh, Capella rather, he's hitting mid-range shots today and his free throws, which puts him a cut above Capella. Obviously, a small sample size, but if he can continue <laughs> to develop that part of his game, um, as well as you know, show out with all the all the defensive prowess that we've seen from him so far, I think that's a really good sign in terms of what he can contribute. Uh, and then you add the meme factor. I know Time Lord's kind of like it's come and gone, that, that whole meme side of things. But um, he is a very memeable player. He's like a very sort of like fan favorite kind of relatable guy, I guess. Like he, there's like a, 
I don't know, like a, because of the whole um, like sleepy, sleepy Bob thing early in his NBA career, there's like a relatable sort of laziness about him. I think that all of us can can relate to there. Um, so I'm rooting for him, and certainly if he continues to play like he did today, um, and actually contribute off the bench, and you know, like we've been saying, it's all about those bench bench contributions. Um, then that's something to be really excited about going forward. Um, I feel like we should talk about the starters a little bit more. Like we did, like blow the shit out of a team today, and a lot of it was due to our starters. Um, we touched on Tatum briefly before. He did get in foul trouble early in the game, three fouls, um, which kept him out um, quite early in the game. We'll get back to Tatum in a second, but what that allowed was for Gordo to get more of an opportunity to be more of the focal point on our offense. I think it was Brian Robb as well. I didn't capture this tweet, but he tweeted something out about like this is more of a Utah opportunity for Hayward, mm. um, and he was playing like it, like he was getting to the cup. Um, and then he started to discombobulate the defense enough where he could then get his passes off, which he likes doing, um, and just kind of play more of like a classic vintage Hayward game. And that seems like it's been a bit of a trend thus far in the bubble. Um, would you agree there? Like, what, what have you thought of what you've seen from um, Hayward in the bubble so far? I mean, I've seen him like make a lot of smart plays. He's always going to, I think I just saw something be posted in the Reddit actually about him trying to become that natural facilitator when it comes to the mm-hmm. team, just because that's the role that he feels most comfortably kind of performing and excelling in. And I mean, honestly, I mean, we are going to need that, you know, when uh, the defense double teams Tatum or, you know, tries to cut them off, cut them off at a corner. We're going to need somebody to get an open pass and be able to make a play, you know, being able to capitalize on that kind of overbearing defense. And I mean, when it comes to Gordon Hayward, it's like, look, you know, Stephen A. has said how many times that the Celtics are Jason Tatum's team, you know, or like Kemba Walker. So it's like Gordon Hayward might kind of just already know, I mean, just what role he needs to play on the team, and that's that facilitator. I mean, Al Horford did that for us when he was here, you know. I mean, albeit a different way, but it's like you, you need multiple guys that can score. You need multiple guys that can make plays for other people. And Gordon Hayward enjoys making plays for other people, and I think – come uh playoff time you know when those buckets get real hard to get like really late in games you're gonna need people that are gonna be able to make plays for each other and i think that's really where that consistency comes by because if we can get gordon we can get tatum we can get brown to consistently make plays for the other guy i think come you know playoff time that's really when that's gonna shine and i think that's what we're trying to work towards as a team yeah, for sure. And I think Hayward has more of an idea of that identity factor we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. He's probably, maybe because of his veteran experience in the league, um, he, he's got more of an understanding of, of the identity like maybe Brad Stevens and his coaching staff are aiming for there. Uh, but he did finish with a team high 30 plus 30 today, I should say, and oh. eight free throws attempted. Um, yeah, not 30 points, plus 30. <laughs> I know single game plus minus is not you know the be all and end all, but it was a pretty um, standout stat. And he, he did play, like all the starters really played limited minutes. None of them, yeah. I think, played much of the fourth quarter, if any, um, 18 points on only five for 15 shooting. But um, he's continued to have a strong showing in each of these bubble games. So that rest has obviously done him quite well. Uh, we touched on downtown Jalen Brown earlier. Another great game. Shot the ball well. 7 for 13 from the floor, including five threes. Um, and like Jeff Van Gundy said on the call, like soon defenders will start going over those screens if he continues to hit the three at this rate. Um, and like we know that Jalen can get downhill and, and will get downhill if he gets that kind of separation once defenders start going over those screens. Um, so I think the three-point shot is really going to start opening up his game. And once that defense adjusts, we're going to see more of that like vintage Jalen Brown like dunking part of his game. 
the shot tracking though i was looking at like as you mentioned his his three-point shooting and his catch and um shoot threes uh uh, firing at much higher efficiency um for whatever reason the the stats or nba website they haven't done any of their like shot tracking um which is a stat they normally provide for for free um, it's not available on their website, so I wasn't able to pull that up. But I would imagine, I'm just going to speculate here, <laughs> that his catch and shoot from three, especially like uh, above the break threes, um, that the efficiency there has gone up like twofold. Um, he just seems to be hitting those at at least 50%. He's doing a really good job there. Um, and yeah, I think that's just really going to open up his game. It's really exciting to see the growth there. Yeah, I mean, I think also that's always just like got to be tied to the confidence. You know, I mean, I feel like as we've had Jalen Brown on his team, we've seen him grow his confidence in his shot, whether that be in the multiple levels, you know, that he can score or, you know, just the kind of three point looks that he would normally miss as a rookie that he makes now. And I mean, Jalen Brown, it seems like, you know, he's going to just be as important to this team as Jason Tatum is. And I think that sometimes gets lost, but I mean, you know, there's, there's a reason why these two are a duo, you know, they're fire and ice for a reason. And so, um, it just it's just really good to see him be that aggressive though because I think that you know if we're gonna need a bucket and no one's really trying to like make that shot they're trying to pass it they're trying to pass it trying to pass it someone's got to eventually take it you know and so it's like I'd rather have the guy that takes it you know fully believing that he can make it versus just sure. like a bad possession. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Tatum, on the other hand, has maybe been one of the more of these three starters that we're going through, Gordo, Jalen, and Tatum, Tatum has maybe been the more polarizing of the three so far in the bubble. Um, you know, he rocked up with the haircut. There was a lot of speculation there that that um, was a detractor to, to his regular game that we've all grown, grown to love. Um, he's since done away with that, but they've been, he's, I guess he's been adding parts of his game back um, piece by piece. And today it looked like the, the handle, the ball handling um, is yet to have been added back to his game. Uh, people have been saying, you know, he's um, pouting a lot uh, at not getting calls from the refs, and he maybe he doesn't possess that like killer mentality that that Jalen Brown has that you were just talking about. Um, what have you thought about Tatum so far in the in the bubble experience? I think he, I, I do understand the pouting. I think that people are trying to allude to because I do mm-hmm. see him sometimes not get back on defense as much as I would like because he's like looking at the ref and he's like, come on, man. He's like doing this <laughs> arm circle that we can kind of all see, like trying to, you know, get the ref to recognize maybe the next play that happens or something. Um, and, and I know that can be frustrating, but I think, I mean, honestly, look, maybe with Jason Tatum, what it comes down to is we got to realize how young this guy still is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we got to understand how, uh, unconventional this bubble is and you know how it can mess up somebody's rhythm I mean look we saw Jason Tatum go on a tear before this bubble happened you know I mean maybe he's just gonna need a little bit more time to get back in that rhythm I'm sure that haircut like maybe have helped I mean I saw the joke talk helps. about this I saw <laughs> we, have, we have the data about this. you know everyone <laughs> was so focused on Jason Tatum's hair um, but it's like I mean I'm more worried about the headband to be honest <laughs> but sure yeah <laughs> I think it's just like people gotta just, just slow down just just a little bit I mean I, I, I mean I believe look if someone that says Jason Tatum doesn't have a killer instinct let's show them that clip with that Knicks shot that he took 
which uh, actually yeah. was a two. Let's be honest. It, they they counted it as a three, but it was a two. And then he just comes by. Paul Pierce is hanging his hand out to him. Jason Tatum slaps it, and <laughs> the camera cuts by. And then we know, oh, okay, this is Jason Tatum's team. Like we don't, we don't. Yeah. We, Jason Tatum has a killer mentality. This guy is young. He's got maybe other stuff on his mind. His son is too cool for school, so it's like maybe that's going on. Like we gotta just 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 slow a little bit down. Like I mean, if this is game eight, you know, and he's still not kind of coming back, like all right, I'll be a little bit more worried. But like this, this is why we're having the seeding games in the first place is to get these teams in rhythm. I'm pretty sure that was like a really big talking point during all the talks that like the NBA players had with the league. So it's like let's just. Slower roll, just a little bit. All, all fair points. Almost too reasonable and 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 cool-headed. I think most fans are too used to overreacting on a game-to-day basis, and I um, admittedly get caught caught up in that quite a bit. So it's it's nice to have a a level, uh, level level-headed take there. Um, But he was scoring effortlessly today, like despite um, I guess some of that nonchalantness about him that we referred to Mm -hmm. in the third quarter alone. Fourteen points, um, nineteen points overall in just eighteen minutes. Uh, five threes throughout the game and like effortless threes. I would love to see the, the defense of his step back three from a first person perspective. Like if you could do it through VR or something, because yeah. <laughs> the, the camera angle, you know what I mean? Like the camera angle, it just doesn't look like he's generating enough space. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if, you know, it's a two, like a 2k shot, for example, yeah, and like, like you, and any defense. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like his releases, he just greens it every time. And I would just love to see what that looks like from the first person perspective because it never looks like he's got enough space to get yeah. the shot off. And it's it's always money, or at least almost always money. Um, and like he was just like stroking it today with minimal effort, it appeared. So um, not just that effort a little bit up in the playoffs and, and maybe we've got that, that all-star Tatum back that we all uh, grew to love throughout the season. We'll see. Um, I want to wrap this one up on a comment on the post-game thread from user Matthew929. It's sort of referring to the Raptors game coming up on, on Saturday, which will be a test. He says that if they beat the Raps on Friday and Tatum and Brown look good, then this team is for real. They've had enough games to tune up and Friday is a huge test to where they are right now. The Raptors have been arguably the best team in the bubble mm. so far, so it would be massive to take them down, not even taking into account that they have had our number in previous years. So I guess that leads to this question. How are you feeling in general about the Raptors game coming up? Do you agree that it's kind of like the, the separating point, uh, the before and after point as far as what we can expect going forward into the playoffs? And um, yeah, just general thoughts on the Raptors overall. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some people might see it, see it like that. You know, that they'll see the Celtics team post-Raptors and pre-Raptors. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to be the first one to tell you, but the Raptors are for real. They, like Nick Nurse totally. is a great coach. They got a great system going on. People play hard there. Van Vliet has gone off so many games since this bubble's going down. And, I mean, people really do not give them the respect. Like, I know people are trying to say, oh, you need to avoid Milwaukee until the Eastern Conference Finals. But the Raptors are no joke. Like, I mean, if the Celtics and Raptors meet up in the semifinals before the Bucks, that's going seven games for sure. And, um, I mean, people got really take some respect there but i mean i i I do believe that we really gotta try our hardest to compete you know each and every day just trying to build upon habits and i think that's really something that brad stevens touched upon in the regular season before the bubble came was like just being able to capitalize on good habits and doing the right thing and trying to make the right play you know each and every time 
And yeah, um, I mean, I'm excited to see where we go. I mean, I think between JB, Jason Tatum, Gordo, Kemba, we have this. It also just really depends upon the minutes restriction, I think, too, that uh, Brad's going to have Kemba on. You know, I mean, because we really depend upon Kemba to hit those really, you know, high threes when he's coming off the screen with Daniel Tice. And so it, it really just depends upon that and just really, again, that intensity that we play with. Yeah, for real. Uh, the Raptors, they, they terrify me of probably more so than any team uh, in the bubble, including the Bucks. And it, it really is the like the, the true test for us in terms of readiness for the playoffs. I think so far we've seen, you know, going back to the Bucks game, the Celtics put one good quarter together. Against the Blazers, they put a good half together. Um, let's just forget about the Heat game because the whole game was a, um, a shocker. And today they finally <laughs> put a, a whole game together, right? Um, and so it does seem like they're at least trending in the right direction as far as achieving that consistency that you mentioned early. So maybe it's all happening at the right time for this Raptors game and we can show out and beat them like we have in this season um, and, and develop some of that confidence and momentum going into the postseason. But the Raps look so, so good, like end-to-end one through 15, they look like they're capable of winning the chip this year. So um, really going to be a good test for us. And I'm excitedly nervous or nervously excited about what's coming up. I have to say, I mentioned it as a Saturday game. And then I read this guy's comment and you mentioned it's Friday. Obviously, the game's on Saturday here in Australia, Friday night there in the States. That's where that difference comes from. Just wanted to tie that one up. <laughs> All right, that's, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for listening. Go slap a five-star rating, subscribe, comment. Just give us some love if you've got time. Alexander Williams, a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. We got to go for that Raptors game, baby. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Let's get it done. All right, until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Uh, uh, Hiking in the sun, the happiness that you mourn. You know the kids still dance, so we supply all the sun.